0: Hello all, welcome to the Lunar C Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 421, and today we'll be talking about keeping up appearances from the Owl House. I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. So, this is the alternative medicine episode. Ida's mother returns, only to uh, reveal that she is deep in the grips of a... Uh, let's just be polite and call him a con artist who is promising miracle cures in exchange for devotion and large sums of money. Uh, Luz initially helps Mama Clawthorne, Gwendolyn, uh, until she realizes that, oh wait, uh, none of this is actually real. As a result of the stress that this attempt to treat her puts her under, Ida turns into the Owl Beast. Uh, Lilith, who is deeply stressed out about her mother not caring about her, it's always Eda, 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 also turns into her version of the Owl Beast, and Gwendolyn finally comes to the realization that she's been had, and let's just say those scam artists run as fast as they can, as far away as they can from her. And she buys all the elixir in town up and makes it right.
1: Yeah, good on um Luce for being able to catch a scam artist when she sees one.
0: <laughs> my, my My favorite part was when Gwen said, that, oh, those potion merchants, all they care about is money. And then Luz is like, you literally just said how much money you gave your guy. Mm-hmm. Luz is so frustrated,
2: she can't even finish the thought. It's just like, oh, I can tell this is going nowhere. I, I, I was surprised that this was the direction that the episode went as far as, you know, I've seen, I guess, too many neglecting parents in cartoons. So I'm surprised that, like, this parent was sucked into, <laughs> you know, alternative medicine, and that was like the path that kept them distant from their kids, but you know, it was a legitimate concern. So, it does this great job of sort of playing out the angle that like maybe your parents can get sucked into something horrible because that horrible thing is really alluring and maybe they're not, you know, entirely bad people and maybe they're worth forgiving, but oh my god, don't fall into you know, uh, I literally have to say alternative medicine because I cannot pronounce homeo homeo homeopathy homeopathy. homeopathy. I can't do it. <laughs> so I mean, what you've never tried aromatherapy for your
0: broken bones?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they call it out as so stupid. And lose.
0: Don't let big cast fool you, David. Those cast sellers just want money.
2: Well, well they demonstrate it perfectly, right? Luz is an outsider, and if you haven't taken each little baby step that took you into believing into that system, it's very easy to say, this is stupid, come on, right?
0: I mean, this is this is the apex from Infinity Train all over again. It's just not nearly as ugly, and it's played up much more for laughs. So it's much more palatable to me.
2: Gwendolyn's completely sucked in. I I, I just love how they showed that. But it's also a little sad, because it's such a bad scam.
1: Yeah, and it kind of shows that, like, how insidious and predatory these, like, fake medicine groups are, and how they prey on people who are desperate and vulnerable, and and, and almost, like, make them a one-person cult, although, of course, they will get together in groups and make their own, like, cult-like things, but they, they, like, they teach you these new ideas, and they teach you that, like, most people don't know this, it's a secret, shh. And also that like other people don't understand, like don't believe in the critics. They're just trying to drag you down like typical cult behavior and kind of displaying it here and displaying how Ida's mother wasn't like really like she she was still in the wrong. She was still hurting her daughter, but she was like a victim at the same time. So I really liked how uh, nuanced this episode was, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 a new kind of take that I haven't seen before in cartoons.
0: Now, I liked when they were luring Ida with the promise of the you know, stinkiest apple blood in the world. I I saw most of the signs, but there was one scene where I guess I'd never read the the signs before. And there was one like smells like a barn. A dog swim in it. He
1: likes it. <laughs> so is apple blood alcoholic? Is that like the implication here? Absol- absolutely. Absolutely. you drink it in high school? Also.
0: I don't know I mean it it used to be uh the t- drinking of maybe it's low concentration apple blood that they serve in the schools. It's like apple cider <laughs> versus hard cider i i think I think that's what it is. I think instead of apple cider, they have apple blood and you can have alcoholic cider or non alcoholic cider
2: all right we're 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 consulting the fan wiki.
1: I love if I had to pick an alcoholic drink that Ida would be completely obsessed oh. with. <laughs> I would not pick hard cider.
2: No, it's definitely, it has an alcoholic and non-alcoholic form. That is true. Like ice
1: cream.
0: You can have regular ice cream that you buy from Bluebell or all of your inferior ice cream purveyors. Or you could have the hard ice cream that Mama buys at the night market. Wait. (laughs) Huh? Yeah, like, (laughs) I, I love how Lilith and King are both just eating all of that ice cream and they're acting like kind of drunk they're not so much slurring but they're definitely acting drunk and hootie's like you know eda buys that at the night market right
2: (laughs) yeah i feel like lilith's voice performance was more intoxicated and i and then they didn't really do it for king so i'm not sure why but she was also kind of thinking a lot about her mom so i I think she was just kind
1: of acting irrationally i don't know maybe they're lactose intolerant and it was hitting them
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd rather have their version of lactose intolerance than Dan's
1: from Dan vs that dude gets it bad I mean, knowing lactose intolerant people the the consequences are coming, but they may not have shown just yet.
0: <laughs> oh, for Dan, it's immediate and debilitating out mostly just stomach cramps interesting huh well he he is a hyperviolent cartoon character. You have no idea how he metabolizes
1: anything. That's true. Yeah, well, ida has got to keep a stock of both potions and dairy pills. Uh, (laughs) For poor, poor King and Lilith.
2: Yeah, so the other, I mean, like, serious angle on the episode is, you know, one, we see how homeopathy, you know, can, like, break apart a family. But then we also see the reality of, you know, dealing with some diseases or mental conditions or physical conditions, which is, you know, accepting for Ida the reality that. This curse is something that can only be managed, right, with medication, but is never going away. So I like how that was presented here too, and sort of Luz is already on, you know, the correct page on that. She's like, that's the solution. <laughs> like, that's what we have to work with here. There's not yeah. going to be a cure.
0: And and if I if I may put on a uh serious media critic hat that I almost never wear.
1: And dust oh, it off.
0: Yeah, dust that bad boy off. I think it's kind of nice to because in the in the beginning, Gwen kind of flips out on that healing coven guy. And she's like, don't tell me that there's no cure. I'll take my daughter until I find someone who tells me there's a cure. And in so many movies and stories and whatnot, this parent would be a hero, you know, like even in news stories are so like, oh, they said, you know, we would never walk again, but we spent years at it. And, you know, my uh, my child was able to walk. And it's like you hear all of these heartwarming stories about people who never gave up but you never hear the stories about the parents who end up taking their child to some scam artist. I guess you do end up hearing those stories, they're much more tragic than uh this story though.
1: Yes. Well, the the word for what you're describing GC is very well discussed and it is called disability porn, which is this idea that like disabled people's struggles are inspiring to able people by just existing. Yeah. And obviously there's like loads of different criticisms and people have written like whole books about this. But this idea with Ida, and obviously like everybody's idea of what they want to see out of a disabled character or a character with a chronic illness is going to be different. Some people want nothing more than to indulge in the fantasy of one day their illness will be cured. But 99 times out of 100, that already is the story with basically any character with any sort of ailment or impairment at all. They eventually somehow discover that they can do it miraculously, it's magic, whatever.
0: Yeah, I remember you mentioned this back in, I think it was when we discovered episode four of season one, when we discussed that.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, it comes up again, and especially, like, it it, it really shines the light on how this alternative medicine is so predatory, because these people have been told their whole lives that, like, to accept your disability is to accept failure. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like some things just can't be changed or it can't be like miraculously cured. You can find ways around it. You can find ways to cope. You know, you can get accommodations and you can get support in your life. But like a miraculous cure where you're suddenly the same as everybody else is not something that is like healthy to want to achieve, you know, And and I like this take because, you know, so many storylines where you have uh disabled characters they just miraculously become cured at the end and you know for a lot of people who have a disability that they're going to have for the rest of their lives like that's just it's alienating and it's unrealistic and so i really like this show kind of really doubling down obviously they could come up with a magic cure for Ida. it's a magic disease it makes perfect sense that that would be a thing but the The fact that the show is doubling down on the fact that she's probably going to have it for the rest of her life, and the potions are there to help, and there's other methods she can use to help, but, like, a full-on cure isn't really in, isn't really on the menu for them.
0: I I just thought it was nice that, you know, you have a story that shows the other side of never give up, you know, because this isn't the main story, we don't don't need a big win at the end of our grounded film about people, you know, real-world people dealing with real-world problems, I prefer more fantasy oriented stuff because real world problems are very depressing
1: (laughs) yeah like you know how many movies are you going to watch about a kid who dies of cancer and you're like okay well that's enough zero the the answer is zero the answer is i have not read a john green book (laughs) like i'm not allowed
2: to watch plague dogs so yeah i mean they they managed to do it very like lightly, happily, cartoonishly here. You know, like this episode deals with like three characters who are all experiencing various amounts of pain, right, in the same family. And also King is still kind of reeling from, you know, thinking about his dad. Desperate for (laughs) his father. Yeah, like all that's there. But yet it's it was still like pretty funny. And I you know, I think part of that is just like how everything looks. Like the characters are just they don't look ultra depressed. Or I don't know, like, they still look happy and funny and cartoony. I don't, like, seeing seen her mom, like, so buff and stuff. Like, all those, like, kind of things <laughs> her. Bicep game on
1: point. Yeah. Extremely dope palisman. Like, just a fully sized eagle.
2: Yes, oh my gosh, her huge staff. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: It's kind of hilarious that Ida just has little little owl. Yeah, both Ida and Lily have little birds. Yeah. Um, oh. runs in the family, I guess. But they all they all made it themselves, didn't they? Isn't that the implication that they made it with their dad? Mm-hmm. Later in the show.
0: Maybe maybe the reason why Gwen has such a big, awesome palisman is because he just made it for her. Perhaps. Now, we're we're talking about Gwen. There she says something interesting. She says she joined the beastkeeping coven to try to figure out Ida's curse. But that means that twenty years after Bellos Began his reign, that coven membership was not yet mandatory. Yeah, that that definitely seems mm. to be the
1: implication. Or you,
0: I guess you could move, but we've never heard of a single person moving covens.
1: So that also implies that the tattoo is removable. Which yeah, exactly. uh, the show has not shown any indication that that's the case.
0: But I mean, Severine said she was going to leave the Emperor's coven and go to the tiny
1: cat coven. So I don't know how that works out. I really don't. Yeah, it's interesting. It might just be that you're, you can still study that type of magic, and also the way that the types of magic are divided is really weird. Like, the potion-making coven. What magic are you casting?
0: They mu- they must have, we talked about this before, they must have frost magic. Because Lilith thinks, oh, I need to collect alchemical ingredients, so that means I should know how to cast sleep spells, and I should know how to cast frost magic. So, they they have to have spells that they're allowed to cast, too. It can't just be potions.
1: Yes, but to make frost isn't inherent to potion making, so is it only like the potions club that can cast frost spells? Is there zero overlap whatsoever? I mean, remember the covens aren't a natural aspect of the magic system.
0: they were mm-hmm. artificially imposed by somebody, so he's just sitting there like, "hmm, what do I what do I lump the ball into, or maybe it's what the collector felt like doing? I don't know
1: yeah
2: all oh, so sorry, David it you know we're so or at least you all are. You know, caught up to the show. How, how are you? How
0: are you coming with your catch up, David? You have
2: two weeks left. <laughs> uh, not, not doing well, but I'm going to get there. Do you? Do you remember that this episode revealed something that uh, that Gwen actually had a secret at the end? Right about that, there has been another human on the Boiling Isles. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right, it's almost hard to even remember because you know the funny thing is i i I, this is my whatever second or third time watching this episode i i feel like the first time i watched this it was really immediately obvious that the person who's going to be the human is going to be the emperor you know like it's like that was always an incredibly common theory yeah it just you're like well there's only one mysterious character wearing a mask so well except okay i guess technically we see um the golden guard at the end of the season one but you know, I don't know, it just felt like it was obviously Bellows the whole time. <laughs> so <laughs> I find it interesting that they played it up. I, I And I'm of the opinion that he
0: never had to be. They they could have easily had them be two separate characters, and it would have felt alright. Yeah. It's just they slowly built you towards them being the same person.
1: Yeah, and, like, there was uh, the idea that he was a descendant. Mm-hmm. Like, that was some way related, that he was, like, part human. You know, because, like, even the witches live, like, Similar to human lifetimes So the idea that he would be Over 400 years old And the fact that Luce like It's a bit much Yeah the fact that Luce like does explicitly say that he dies Or like some guy who died ages ago Like they do Mm -hmm. immediately assume that he's dead Kind of plays into that idea Mm -hmm. Although of course The idea of Philip getting How do I say this in a child friendly way Um Getting any action in order to have descendants, <laughs> seems pretty unlikely.
0: Yeah, that was Caleb's job. Maybe Philip could have adopted,
1: but then he wouldn't be a, a he wouldn't be a blood relative. The
0: <laughs> but he'd still be a blood relative. He'd still be a.
1: Uh, if he was Caleb's kid,
0: he he would just be a great uncle instead of a great grandfather. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, I, we all know that Philip is maidenless. So, <laughs> w- witchless, no witches.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, maybe mine is going to be so disappointed <laughs> um, and we oh, oh we also do get the reveal that um, a doppelganger is living in Luz's house
2: oh yeah yes. oh my that, gosh
1: that was a reveal so many
2: freaking threads like this episode does so much work it's crazy but yeah mm-hmm. they just throw that one in on the end they're like we we also need to set this up And of course, for the next,
0: for the next few episodes of the Owl House, it's going to be focused on Luz's little quest, or Luz will be focusing on her quest to find out more about this mysterious human. Of course, the the very next episode is going to focus on more of a Gus story, but we'll get there next week. We will. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Keeping Up Appearances. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David
1: leave us a comment or a review I almost forgot
0: later everybody our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto for more cartoon related content please visit lunarceasefire.com